he's so mean to me. <laughs> Called me gimpy. I don't know how many of you saw it on Facebook, but I injured my ankle. Somehow injured my ankle and have been in tremendous pain until now. It doesn't hurt right now. It's still swollen, but it doesn't hurt. So we're just praying that swelling goes, pain leaves. There's power in the name of Jesus, even for that. So I will try to sit still while I minister tonight and use wisdom, but I will probably jump up and run around like I always do. <laughs> I just don't like to be still. So, all right, I can't sit. That didn't last very long, did it? Ugh. Are you ready to hear about Jesus tonight? Do you love Jesus? I just love him. I have fallen so much more in love with him than ever before in this series. And um, it's been my quest for rest. Um, I have just delved into Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. How many of you have ever felt like you've lost your life? <laughs> yeah, we're going to recover our life. He says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. A real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So we're going to learn how to take a real rest. And we've been looking at the life of Jesus on how we can do that. The first week, we looked at Jesus as our example uh, in humility. And we saw the depths of humility that Jesus walked in. Was anybody else just amazed? at our Jesus that night. My goodness. And then last week, we talked about Jesus, our example, where insecurities are concerned. Remember that one? I was comparing my life to his and seeing some things that he had that I was lacking, but then I saw something that I had that he never did, and it was those stinking insecurities, and they will keep us from having rest in our souls quicker than almost anything. But tonight, we're going to talk about something different. We're going to look at Jesus, our example, and we're going to look at how he handled stress. So I had some really cool pictures that I had Googled and saved and tried to get to a PowerPoint, but then I ended up at the urgent care and then at the orthodontist and then blah 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 so there's no pictures, but... Let me just explain to you, I googled images for stress, and what was in my mind was pressure or tension exerted on something, and all I could think of was a bridge. You know how when they design a bridge, they design, you know, and they kind of figure for the stress that the bridge can handle. That means how much weight it can handle, how much pressure it can handle before it breaks. So I googled images for stress, and it, it came up, the first maybe 100 images were people going like this and pulling their hair out and not hitting themselves on the head and buried under papers and just, you know, fire shooting out of their ears because, oh my gosh, I'm so stressed. There was one little picture of the bridge. <laughs> I was like, wow, we have an issue with stress, don't we? Anybody ever have an issue with stress? So it's the pressure or tension exerted on something. It's a state of mental or emotional strain resulting from adverse or very demanding circumstances. It's a force that tends to change the shape of an object. And so what we want to do by the time we get through with tonight 
is not is be to the point where we watch Jesus how he handled stress and stressful situations and it never changed his shape. He never changed. And so we're going to look at kind of the stressful situations that he handled, how he handled them and see just how we can do it too. Some synonyms 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 for stress are worry anxiety and trouble and so like I said when I first initially thought of that I thought of a bridge and the weight limit that it can handle but it's not just bridges that have weight limits it's amusement park rides have you ever gone in amusement park ride and said you know like the round spinny things where that hold four or five people said no more than so many pounds in this car or whatever so there's weight limits that it can handle before it snaps there's weight limits that can, it can handle before it breaks. Airplanes have weight limits. I, we have been blessed with these tickets this year, these standby tickets. And so I went on a trip to Hawaii in June. And so what you do is check to see how many open seats are, how high up on the list you are, and it's a good indicator of whether or not you'll be able to get on the flight. So I checked this one flight going from, I can't remember where I was, Chicago maybe, to Honolulu, there were like 23 open seats. I was number like four. I'm thinking, hey, this is a sealed deal. I am on this flight. So I'm sitting at the gate, sitting at the gate. They're not calling any standbys, not calling any standbys. What is going on? Not calling any standbys. And off goes the plane with no standbys. And we're all sitting there staring at each other. And they had exceeded their weight limit in luggage. So off they go with 23 open seats. (laughs) But we definitely didn't want the plane to go down. If I was going to put it over the edge to go down, we definitely didn't want to be on that plane. Because if it exceeds the weight limit that it can handle, it's going to break, right? So what causes stress in our lives? And I was thinking about this and kind of doing some research on it. And uh, overcommitted can be a big cause of stress. Too much going on, right? So I have this terrible disease, right? It's called one more itis. <laughs> Anybody else have that terrible disease, one more itis? I'm just going to get one more email answered. I'm going to get one more phone call done. I'm going to get one more dish washed. I'm going to change one more loads of laundry before I get out of the house, one more itis. And one more itis pushes you to the edge of your time frame and sometimes even over it so you're running late. And guess what that does? It brings stress and panic and edgy and irritable mom to the forefront. (laughs) And that's what we want to avoid. So if you have one more itis, there's power in the name of Jesus. It'll break that chain. (laughs) But overcommitment can cause stress. Unrealistic expectations can cause stress. Unrealistic expectations of others' expectations of us. Ever have anyone expect something of you that really wasn't possible? Unrealistic expectations of ourselves. Ever expect more of yourself than is possible? I do all the time. In fact, my family posted a little deal over the kitchen sink one time that says, you don't have to do it all. And it was for me (laughs) to remind me, hey, we're here to help you. Because, you know, we set these unrealistic expectations of ourselves And sometimes we will set unrealistic expectations on other people, and when they don't fulfill it, it causes stress. It causes unrest in our souls. 
So we're going to look at how Jesus handled all of these things. Jesus was never stressed. And as I've read through the Gospels, I've never seen him edgy with the disciples. I never saw him irritable. Never saw him lose it. You know, even when he drove the money changers out of the temple, he sat down and meticulously made a whip beforehand. He wasn't just reacting. He thought that thing through. (laughs) He made himself a whip. And he went in there and he drove them out of the temple. So he never gave in to stress. He never was stressed. And we want to look at a few reasons why. Jesus knew his limitations. Jesus knew he had limitations. Let's put it that way. First and foremost, you have to know that you have limitations. So Jesus knew that he had them. He knew he was from heaven. He knew he was God. He knew that in the beginning he was God and he was with God and he always has been. And he, he remembers creation, I'm sure. It said he saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He remembered all of those things. He knew who he was. We talked about that last week. But he also knew he was living in a flesh and blood body that had limitations. He slept. He had to eat. He had to go to the bathroom. Right? He was a person. He was a carpenter. How many times do you think he hit his son with a hammer before? (laughs) Right? Probably had to let it heal. He was human. He had limitations and he knew it. But Jesus knew how to handle stressful situations. And so he, he didn't always answer people. He knew how to say no. In Mark 11, 27 through 30, It says, again, they entered Jerusalem. As Jesus was walking through the temple area, the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, and the elders came up to him. So these are all the who's who in Judaism. These are like the high up ones that know what they're talking about and that command respect, and people are afraid to be around them, and ooh, the religious teachers of the day. They came up to Jesus, and they demanded By what authority are you doing all of these things? Who gave you the right to do them? So if they would have demanded that of anybody else, guess what? It would have struck fear in their hearts. They would go, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. But is that what Jesus did? No. He said, I'll tell you by what authority I do these things if you answer one question. Jesus replied, did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? Answer me. So he turned the tables right around. They demanded of him, but he's like, uh, no. I'm not going to answer your question, uh, no. But I have one for you. So he asked them, and they talked it over. You know, if we say it was from heaven, he'll ask us, why don't we believe John? But do we dare say it was, he was merely human? You know, the people loved John, blah, blah, blah. We don't know, they responded. And Jesus said, he didn't say, well, neither do I know. He said, then I'm not going to tell you by what authority I do these things either. He always kept in control. Always, I mean, anybody else would have been shaking in their boots if they would have demanded something of them. But Jesus kept it straight in control, and he knew he didn't have to answer it. It's like, I don't have to answer you. No, no, no. He knew how to use the word no. How many of you have a problem using the word no? All right, let me share a little secret with you. Ready? No is a complete sentence. Go ahead. You can repeat that after me. No is a complete sentence. And you are allowed to use it. 
<laughs> now don't go hog wild. <laughs> but you're allowed to use it. No is a complete sentence. Jesus knew how to say no. I know I have way too many notes tonight, so we're going to skip that one. But Jesus knew how to draw boundaries, didn't he? He went to the pool of Bethesda. There was the man that was lame laying by the pool. You know, when the angel stirred it, it would bubble up. And then the first one in was healed. And so he went to the man and he said, the Bible says there were five porches of sick people there. And he went to one man, one, said, would you like to be well? One, healed one man and left. You know, as soon as he, the other people saw him jump up with his mat, they were like, what just happened? We missed it. Did the waters bubble and we just missed it? He's not even by the water. How did he get healed? How did that happen? You know, they had to have been chasing him down, but he didn't heal anybody else in that place. Who knows why? He did what he saw the father do. He said what he heard the father say. I'm sure when we get to heaven, we're going to be able to say, why? But Jesus drew his boundaries for whatever reason he drew them. But we're going to see more about that in a little bit. Number two, Jesus never buckled to the expectations of others. Not once did he ever buckle or come under what others expected of him. And you really, to do this, have to know who you are. Which is why last week's message was so important on knowing who you are. Because you can't stand in confidence in the face of stress and stressful situations and not buckle without knowing I have the right to be doing what I'm doing. But Jesus never buckled under him. Mark 12, 13 through 17 it says, later the leader sent some Pharisees and supporters of Herod to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You are impartial and don't play favorites. You teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or shouldn't we? And they were expecting Jesus to say, don't pay him. He, you know, He's walking around as Messiah and everyone's saying, oh, he's the one who's come to set up a kingdom and he's the one who's come to set up a kingdom. So if he really has come to set up his kingdom, then he's going to want his own taxes, right? So he, they're thinking he's going to say no. Jesus saw through their hypocrisy and said, why are you trying to trap me? Show me a Roman coin and I'll tell you. When they handed it to him, he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well, then Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. He was so smart. He didn't answer them the way that they wanted him to answer. They didn't, he didn't buckle to their expectation of what he should say. And the Bible says his reply completely amazed them. He was so smart. Luke 5, 27 through 32 says, later as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers 
of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciple. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? So he's, they're putting an expectation on him that if you are who you say you are, you're going to be above these people. Why are you eating with such scum? They're like, you need to get out of there. You need to get out of there right now because these people aren't worth it. But Jesus didn't buckle. He knew who he was. He knew what he was called to do. He knew who he was called to. And Jesus answered them and said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. So he's standing in the face again of the religious leaders of the Pharisees of the day who are coming and telling him, you are wrong. You are in the wrong place doing the wrong thing and you need to change. But because he knew who he was, And because the greater one lived on the inside of him, Jesus was a man, right? He needed the Holy Spirit. When he was baptized with John's baptism, he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. He walked as a man to show us how we can walk. He walked as a man full of the Holy Spirit to show us that it was possible to walk full of the Holy Spirit. He didn't answer these questions as God. He answered these questions as a man filled with the wisdom of God, filled with the Spirit of God. He did the miracles as a man filled with the power and the authority of God. The difference is that he knew who he was, and we buckle. You are wrong. You're in the wrong place with the wrong people. Don't listen. Don't listen. Your body's going to tell you, you are wrong. Healing's not for today. You better just let that go and learn to live with it or learn to die with it. But Jesus paid the price. We have to know it. We have to know what the Word said. We have to know who we are. We have to know what we have on the inside of us. Amen? Is everybody awake tonight? (laughs) we're awfully quiet we're going to get to some fun stuff in just a little bit John 8 1 through 11 Jesus never buckled to the expectations of others and I love this one love it Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives but early the next morning he was back again at the temple a crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them as he was speaking the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery They put her in front of the crowd. Teach her, they said to Jesus. This woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. They wanted their answer. They knew what the law was. He knew what the law was. He was it. He was the Word made flesh, right? Jesus knew exactly what the law of Moses said, that a woman caught in the act of adultery should be stoned. But guess what? So should the man. Where was he? Hello. Jesus knew what the law said, and they were expecting him, the man of God that he said he was, if you're the son of God, 
The man of God that he said he was, the disciples that he had, they were, all je- they were jealous of him and his followers. So they're trying to get him to stumble and get him to not be so wise and show everybody what a fake he was because he wasn't like them. But guess what? He didn't have their answer. He didn't buckle to their pressure. Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. So smart. He didn't buckle to them and say, Yes, that's what the law of Moses said. He said, All right, I'll give you an answer, but first, he who's without sin casts the first stone. And the Bible says they all left from the oldest to the youngest. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with a woman. Jesus stood up again because he had stooped down to write in the sand again. Jesus bounced his eyes, gentlemen. Jesus bounced his eyes. (laughs) Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. You know, Jesus never, ever, say never, never condemned a sinner, ever. But he never condoned the sin. I think a lot of times we get this backwards these days. (laughs) We condemn the sinner, it's a sin. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. But he offered grace, and his love changed everyone he came in contact with. So we, I think we need to, to just make that adjustment. Stop condemning the sinner. Really? They're human. Jesus even said, the Bible says in John 2, I think it is, where Jesus didn't trust what was in man, He didn't need their approval because he knew what was in man. And the Bible says in Psalms that God has mercy on us because he made us and he knows where we come from. He knows what we're made of. And so guess what you need to stop doing to yourself? Condemning yourself. How many of you, if you miss it, condemn yourself? Anybody ever missed it? Go, oh, missed it. And then missed it again in the same way, in the same day. Oh, Father, I really am sorry. And then you missed it again in the same way, in the same day. (laughs) I'm really, really sorry. And then you get about 15 really, 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 really sorries down the road. Well, okay, I'm going to fast dinner tonight. I'm going to just spend some extra time praying. And praying's a good thing. Jesus told Peter, Pray that you not enter into temptation. But you've got to watch your motive there because if you're praying for penance, then that's bad because you're saying the blood of Jesus wasn't enough. If you're praying to build yourself up in the Holy Ghost and strengthen your inner man so that you don't miss it again, please do. Continue on. That's a good thing. You're the only one who knows your motive there. So keep that in check, okay? But we need to stop condemning ourselves. 
all that happens when we condemn ourselves and it makes us conscious of what we did wrong instead of conscious of who lives on the inside of us to help us live right. Right? And we want to live right. Right? Because our works do matter. Our actions do matter. Sin does separate. It doesn't remove you from the family, but it removes you from intimacy. Because when your heart condemns you, you cut off the flow between you and the Holy Spirit, between you and the Father. And that's not a happy place to be, right? Jesus never condemned the sinner. He never condoned the sin, but he always loved, right? Jesus didn't buckle to anyone's expectations, anyone's. When the enemy came to him, when the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted, and he said, if you're the Son of God, do this. with the expectation that he was going to do it. But he didn't buckle. He's like, I know I'm the son of God. I ain't doing that. I don't have to do that. I don't have to prove that. And then on the cross, I know I'm the son of God. He never buckled to anybody else's expectations of who he was. And we don't have to either. We are in full control of us. And if we know who we are and we know what we're called to do, then we can stay confident on that path. I have people put expectations on me too. Family does it. Family does it. Doesn't family do it? And then when you don't meet their expectations, then they bring out the manipulation, the emotional guilt, and all that kind of stuff. And then how many of you buckle? Go ahead, be honest. When the emotional manipulation comes out, give in. Yep. Guess what? No is a complete sentence. (laughs) you don't have to buckle. The only person that, only expectations you have to meet are this way. And if you're meeting these ones, then he's going to work this out. Right? We need to stay confident in who's inside of us. We need to stay confident in his calling on us. We need to stay confident in his power on the inside of us so that we don't give in to that stress. Because it brings stress, doesn't it? There is no rest for the soul when other people are putting expectations on you that you just can't meet. There's no rest for your soul when you're putting expectations on you that you just can't meet. And you know, before they brought me on part, 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 part time, like real part-time. I still work a day job. Everyone say day jobs are fun. Everyone say day jobs are time-consuming. <laughs> they take the, you know, day jobs, They all the fun, you know, because you have to go to your J-O-B. Your J-O-B pays for your fun, so there you go. But um, before they brought me on staff, I was doing pretty much the same thing, helping in the women's ministry, doing some teaching, doing some counseling whenever I could. I was doing the same thing. And then they brought me on staff, so I'm doing the same thing. But then the pressure came. Not from Pastor Daniel or Michael or anybody else. The pressure came from me. I'm not doing enough. Oh my gosh, I'm not doing enough. I need to do this and I need to do that and I need to go visit this one and I can't go to the hospital and visit this one that just had a baby because I have to work and then I can't go visit this one at home because I have to work and I have three kids who are involved in three things and where am I going to put that and I could go visit them at midnight. Do you think they'd be up if I went and knocked on their door at midnight? No, then they would be mad at me. (sighs) 
putting all these unrealistic expectations on myself. And you know what? I was boo-hooing to the Lord about my job that I hated at that point because it was keeping me, it was keeping me away from everything that needed to be done. And I boo-hooing to the Lord one day, and you know what he told me? He said, you are not me. You are not the Holy Spirit. He said, I have put women in the church with the gift of visitation, and you need to find them, equip them, enable them, and empower them out. And you know what? I found about 25 women who wanted to do that. (laughs) Because I had to first acknowledge that I had limitations. I had to take the unrealistic expectations off of myself to be able to do it all and know that I am not the Holy Spirit and it's okay if other people go do the same thing. Jesus delegated ministry, right? Mark 6, 7 through 13. Jesus went from village to village teaching the people and he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. So the disciples went out telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God, and they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with oil. Up until that point, Jesus was the only one who went about teaching, preaching, and healing. But there was no pride in the man, remember? Humble. He didn't care who went out. Well, he cared. He, had, he picked them out and trained them. But he didn't mind that other people were going to do the same exact thing and he wanted them to be just as fruitful as he was. He delegated ministry because he knew he was one man who could only touch so many people. But if these 12 then go out and touch so many people and these 12 train 12 and they train 12 and they train 12, then so many more people can be touched. We have to be okay with not being the one to get the credit. We have to be okay with not being the one who does it all. And it is fun to watch people operate in their gift. It is so fun to empower people and send them out and to watch them thrive in what God has called them to do. And Jesus also knew that after times of ministry, you needed to rest. Mark 6, 30 through 46. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told them all and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So we're looking at how Jesus handled stress. And I would call this a stressful situation. They didn't even have time to eat. So many people wanted a piece of Jesus. So many people wanted to touch him, wanted a word from him, wanted to spend time with him. They didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Now, if I would have seen that, I would have just cried, wouldn't I? Have broken down and cried (laughs) and said, all I want is just some sleep. I just want some sleep. And then irritable mom would have come out because they were hungry. They didn't have time to eat. Anybody else get hangry? Edgy? I have low blood sugar, so if it gets too low, then 
I start shaking and getting real edgy, which is one reason why I left urgent care today, because not only had I waited an hour and a half without even being close to seeing the doctor, it was already close to lunch, and I hadn't eaten since before breakfast almost. So I knew that if I didn't leave, I was not going to be a nice patient. <laughs> Irritable patient would have just taken over. So if this had been me, I would have not reacted the way that Jesus did. Jesus sat down and taught them. And then he fed them. Remember? Jesus sent them away. <laughs> it's time for them to go away. Remember, we were going to rest. Remember rest? We're on a quest for rest here. Remember, we were going this way to rest. So send them away so that they're hungry. I mean, they disguised it in compassion. These people are so hungry, Lord. They need to go home now. So stop teaching. It's time to be quiet and send them home to rest. And he goes, no, you feed them. So here he goes, delegating ministry again. No, it's time for you to feed them. That's how he handles stressful situations. We let somebody else take care of it. But he's training them, he's teaching them, and he's empowering them. So what did they do? said, well, I guess, you know, we only have five loaves and two fish, but if you say so. And they fed 5,000 people. But after they fed them, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Jesus delegated ministry. Why? Because he knew he had limitations. He had limitations of physical strength. He had limitations of only being able to be in one place at one time. We have to have to know our limitations. If we recognize and yield to our limitations, it's not admitting defeat. Jesus knows we're human. He doesn't expect that of us. He doesn't expect us to do it all. And you know, as I read through some um, biographies of old men of faith, like uh, Hudson Taylor and different ones like that, you know, they would go and go and go and go and go, and they'd be up till 1, 2, 3 in the morning, and then they'd get up at 5 or 6 in the morning and go again, burning desire, let's go win the loss, let's go win the loss for years and years and years. And then they'd have to take one, two, three years off, not doing anything because they'd burn themselves out. You cannot continuously neglect the natural laws and expect your body not to fight back. It's going to give. It's going to buckle under the stress, under the load. Jesus said, if you walk with me, you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You, he won't put a burden on us that is more than our bridge can bear. We do that. We put the burden on us that's more than our bridge can bear. You know, there were hundreds more laws in Judaism than there were in the law of Moses. Hundreds, at least 300 more laws under Judaism than there was in the law of Moses because Judaism was a religion out of Jewish, the Jewish nation, but it was, they added if you leave it up to man, you're going to add to it. <laughs> man puts so much more pressure on themselves than God ever did. God's not going to put anything else on us that we can't handle. Jesus delegated. We need to learn how to delegate. 
I, my kids clean the house now, ish. It's clean-ish. We have different definitions of what the word clean really is. <laughs> but they make an effort. <laughs> they try. Why? Because I used to do all that, but I can't do it all. There are some things that only you can do, but there are some things it's okay to ask for help. Jesus asked for help. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he took Peter, James, and John and said, come with me to pray. I need your help. We're going to look at that in a little bit. We're going to look at that now because it's time to go. <laughs> That's the only time. Oh, they're so... Oh. Okay, let me say this real quick. <laughs> Jesus came. I know, right? This is how he handled stress. Jesus came as a servant. He said, I have come to show you how to be a servant. And if you want to be the greatest, you're going to make yourself the least. He was the servant leader example. But Jesus also let people serve him. He let Mary and Martha cook him dinner a lot. And when the disciples said, where would you like us to go prepare the Passover? Because they knew what? They were going to do the work of it. Jesus wasn't going to go cook his meal. He was a servant. He absolutely was. But he also knew to let people serve him. What about the woman with the perfume who came and anointed his feet? The disciples said, no, 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 no. You, she should go sell that and give that money to the poor. Which God bless him. That's what Jesus had told the rich young ruler. They heard him tell that. Sell all your possessions and go give it to the poor. So they see this expensive perfume and they think we're going to be like Jesus. Can say what Jesus said? We're going to be like Jesus. No, you need to go sell that and give it to the poor. But no, he said, no, she's doing the right thing. She's anointing me for my burial. He let people serve him. You have to let people help you, and it's okay to ask for help. This was a tough piece for me to swallow because I have a hard time admitting I need help. I would burn out before I would ask for help. But not anymore. <laughs> if Jesus could do it, if the Son of God needed help, I need it all the more. So now if I start calling you, <laughs> answer your phone, okay? <laughs> the garden is the only place where we see Jesus in any kind of distress, under any kind of stress. It says Jesus went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter, James, and John. He became anguished. He became distressed, and he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Come pray with me. The Son of God who sacrificed himself and died for my sins needed help in his time of need. He went a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said, Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time, prayed, same thing, if it's possible. Let this cup pass from me. If not, I will drink it. Your will be done. He returned to them again and found them sleeping. They couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went a 
to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came back to his disciples and woke them up and said, it's time. It's the only place that we ever see Jesus even looking at stress and saying, I can't do this. I can't, I can't do this. Looking the cross right in the face. He knew what was coming. Saying, help me, help me pray for this. But that's what he did. That's what you do when you're facing those super stressful situations. You can call and ask for help. <laughs> you can call and ask for prayer. But you go to the face of the Father and strength will come. Strength will come. And you'll have rest for your soul. He didn't let the load burden him. He knew it was the presence of God and the Father within him that gave him the strength and the power to do what he needed to do. He said, I don't do anything except my Father show me. It's not me that does the work. It's the Father in me. He never took any credit for it because he knew it was the power of God within his flesh body. So we have to be willing to do what Jesus did. Refuse to worry. Refuse to take those troubles. Refuse the anxiety. He said in Matthew 6, what? Don't worry. <laughs> Jesus is always here. Is that what it is? Name of that song? Jesus, you're always here. We don't have to worry. Why? Because our Father cares for us. Don't be anxious, Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. You will experience God's peace when? When you pray, when you thank Him for all that He's done. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. I have overcome. So don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't let your heart be troubled. Guess whose choice it is? It's our choice. It's our choice to let go of some things, to delegate, to set priorities, to say no. Everyone say no. Okay. If you need to practice, don't practice on me when I call you, okay? Practice on Pastor Michael when he calls you. <laughs> we need to know our limitations, and we need to tap into the grace of the Father within. So many times we wait for peace out here that there's no stress, and that's when we have rest for our souls. But even when stress is coming at us from every side, we can be just like Jesus and have rest because we're connected to the Father. Amen? Amen. Father, help it. <laughs> I had to rush through at the end. So I ask you to minister in this life and these teachings and these verses that we had to just skip through, Father, as they go home. You go home with them. You're the teacher. Bring it alive on the inside of us. Help us to conquer this thing called stress, just like D Jesus did, so we can walk with peace in our souls. Amen. Amen. That's all. <laughs> Have a great night. We'll see you on Sunday.